Hello, welcome to episode three of Mixtape Memories. Uh, I'm Matt Hart Spade. And I'm Jenners. <laughs> and uh, we're excited to be returning for episode three. So we had a couple of things that we thought might be interesting for this episode. In particular, we thought it might be fun to revisit some blog entries from yesteryear. Um, it's funny looking back at some of this stuff, right? I feel like the, yeah. the way I wrote and the way I perceive things and... I don't know. It's like borderline tacky slash um, yeah. embarrassing. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I read old blog posts, like uh, it actually like surprised me how I wrote. I, I kind of forgot how I used to write. And uh, it was definitely not in a very professional sort of way at all. Well, I think for me anyway, I felt like even though I knew people were reading it, I was pretty much writing it for my own yeah. I don't know. Enjoyment. I was a little bit more no no holds barred, mm-hmm. like um, in my opinions, uh, which actually kind of surprised me in my memory. I, I thought I was more like diplomatic and maybe just more positive. Mm-hmm. But uh, reading back on some posts, I realized that I actually express opinions like if I didn't like somebody so I was like oh okay (laughs) I feel like I mostly if I really didn't enjoy something I I kind of uh avoided writing about it but I do Mm -hmm. recall once I saw this band that never took off and they were called hockey and they were signed to a major label and they were trying to be or they were marketed as like the next MGMT Uh um and it really was so obvious it was so phony I felt and a major label did a like a showcase at Mercury Lounge in, in New York on Lower East Side and I went to it and I was like this is a joke and it was so um scripted and I don't know I just um, couldn't get into it and I wrote a negative review and that was the only time and the label was so angry at me I remember oh, yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah your reviews were more like reviews where mine were like uh, clearly like not real reviews <laughs> but yours I feel were fun to re- read back I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll uh, see. Because <laughs> uh, we're going to do a, a little segment here where um, we go into Wayback Machine and uh, to our old blog post and like uh, read one and kind of talk <laughs> about it. So I don't know if you want to go first. Sure. Um, I'm going to discuss uh, a review I wrote in 2008 from uh, a Death Cab for Cutie show at Radio City. Um it's only a few sentences long, but I should preface before I read this, excuse me, I should preface it by saying in college, um, I was a big Death Cab fan. Now I, it's kind of become a joke for me and I can't listen to them. But this was probably the last time I saw them and it was uh, the fall of 2008. So anyway, I'm just going to read it. It's super, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of funny to read back, especially like read your own words. Oh. Um but anyway, so I titled it Sun Shines Again, and I don't know exactly why, but that was the name of the review. Um, so I'll just read it. In the past three months, I've been treated to two magnificent Death Cab gigs. The first being an intimate solo show from Ben Gibbard, which included covers, rarities, and tender takes on Death Cab for Cutie's most recognizable tunes. I sound like Casey Kasem or something. It's awful. Last night's full band performance was my second within the last hundred days. <laughs> the band's 95-minute set was robust and unfaltering from start to finish. As a massive admirer of the photo album and transatlanticism, 
I was pleasantly surprised to hear We Laugh Indoors, title and registration, as well as the latter LP's stunning title track. However, the most well-received ditty of the evening (laughs) was unquestionably Death Cab's take on their 2008 epic, I Will Possess Your Heart. In summary, the Seattle-based quartet's largest New York City show to date was a major success. And then I linked to an MP3 in the set list and whatnot. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like some of those words are just a little much. Um, and also, this is not, I mean, my peak death cab for me was like 0203. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I think I was kind of um, losing interest in the band a little bit, but... Uh, Anyway, I do recall the show fondly for whatever reason, but um, I don't think you could pay me to see a Death Cab show now, unless they were doing maybe one of those classic albums in their entirety. Yeah. Um, I just have no interest. I don't know if I ever like got into Death Cab as much as other people. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think I was more into Postal Service. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Postal about. Service. And yeah. like, so I never really paid attention to Death Cab, mm-hmm. but I knew that they were like the bigger bands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i don't know as far as like bands uh related bands i was more into postal service yeah i love that postal service album um do you have yours that you want to revisit <laughs> yeah i mean i picked one of like i guess this was like probably like my first or second or third blog post or something um and it was back in new year's eve 2002 <clears throat> and I picked it um, because the show basically happened again, like recently, <laughs> uh, with Realistics and Longway performing at Mercury Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, maybe I will read um, the review of my night uh, seeing those two bands at Mercury Lounge. <laughs> like, what was that, like 17 years ago? <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy to say that. Um, But um, I wrote, Happy New Year. Somehow I knew that the Realistics New New Year's Eve show would be the ultimate indie rock scene. (laughs) 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 The Strokes manager's band, Shetland Pony, (laughs) was opening up for the Reelies and Longwave. I guess I had a nickname for them. Yes. Uh, I knew I would see a stroke or two there. (laughs) Indeed, about five minutes after arriving, I saw Nikolai and Fab. And next to Fab, none other than Drew Barrymore herself. I have to say, she looks much cuter in person than she does in photographs. Oh, my God. I was such a bitch. (laughs) I can't believe I said that. (laughs) I applaud her for going cash that night (laughs) this sounds like um a lore magazine or cosmo or something oh my god and i suppose it was cute watching them get all snuggly and kissy poo (laughs) wow um i love that there's like a page six element to this I honestly don't remember writing this (laughs) me and the crew (laughs) dressed up quote unquote new wave to uh i guess make fun of all the new wavers <laughs> one dude complimented me on my outfit but i but i doubt anyone knew that my pink and black arm warmers were a joke <laughs> can we say it over their heads <laughs> oh my gosh i heard about the dude from star sailor 
was hanging around. Oh, I heard that the dude from Star Sailor was hanging around. Uh, Shetland Pony wasn't that great. (laughs) (laughs) But I think everyone felt like they had to bob their heads to the music anyway. (laughs) Long Wave was good, but his deep, monotonous voice can get, well, monotonous (laughs) at points. The crowd certainly felt it. One dude shouting out an Ozzy Osbourne request. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, instead, Longwave invited Dennis Realistic up to the stage to cover GNR's Sweet Child of Mine. Dennis didn't know all the words, but boy, could he hit those axle notes. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. I dressed uh, my boyfriend up like a hive. <laughs> he looked so goddamn cute. I wanted to make out with him all night. <laughs> Forget the rock stars. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love that Dennis Realistic gave a shout out to the Vice City soundtrack. Uh, quote, would have been better if we slept together, but there's something in your eyes that says never. I'm like, I'm not the only one addicted to that video game. We toasted the new year eight minutes before midnight, and then the realies played their kick-ass set. <laughs> Around 12.40 p.m., the party was over, and people shuffled out. And that was that. And that was that. <laughs> it's very, like, diary entry. Such a diary entry. Yeah. I think all of all of my posts are kind of like that, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Very um, sl- full of slang. And, mm-hmm. um, and I guess I... I, I was a bit cheeky, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> cheekier than I re- remember. <laughs> so I always thought I was like the nice blogger. <laughs> but uh, I love that in the within the post there are selfies. Yes, yeah, yes. Before selfies were selfies. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So in the post, uh, you know, I have pictures with my friends and with my boyfriend at the time. And I think uh, a picture of Dennis from mm-hmm, the realistic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, every once in a while I would have photos along with the posts. Yeah. Um, but back then it was like blogging. Like it wasn't like, oh, you find the approved photo from the publicist yeah, or whatever. It was, it was like kind of before all that. Mm-hmm. And it. Um, it really was kind of just random stuff you'd find off the internet mm-hmm. or somewhere. Um, I also remember I had a point and shoot and it probably drove the bands crazy now that I think about it all these years later, but I would use flash photography all the time Yeah, and it's just so frowned. I would never do that now. Um, but it was just kind of how it was. The flashes were going off constantly and the bands just dealt with it and it, uh, I kind of feel bad that I did that so often, especially with not even the most glamorous camera. Because you know? oh, <laughs> the photos were fair at best. Yeah, I'm sure I had some crappy camera <laughs> that I was using. Um, maybe even like disposables. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a period of disposable, too. Yeah. Yeah, because the guy I was dating at the time worked at like a photo lab and I okay. went like Getting photos developed was like no problem for me. So uh-huh, uh-huh. back then I was like printing photos a lot. Um, and uh, and then, but it, I get, yeah, like, I guess you'd have to scan them in or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recall there was a period in time when they, when the, the photo companies were trying to sell some sort of like printed at home option. So you put in your, 
your SD card or whatever, and then it prints it. But the quality was never that great, I feel. I don't uh. know. It's much better when you actually get it properly done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once I had digital photos and a digital camera, like, I think, like, believe it, I don't know, for some reason, like, I think I lost a lot of photos because of that, because, mm-hmm. like, I ha- probably had it on, like, a hard drive of, like, you know, my boyfriend's computer at the time, and mm-hmm. I think when we broke up, I lost a lot of those photos. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I can only, like, really access what I might have saved, like, on the web server or something. I uploaded a bunch to Flickr back in the day. And uh, oh my God. I think my Flickr page still exists, although you can only view X amount of photos if you, yeah. have a, if you don't have an account anymore, which who has an account in 2019? I, I think that they, you know, like I got back into a Flickr hole, uh, talking about holes, internet holes, um, because like they just recently, I think we're sending around emails to people saying that if they didn't upgrade their account, that um, their archive would be deleted. Uh Um, So I think like in that way, it was uh, was interesting to uh, to kind of go back and like revisit a lot of those photos I hadn't seen in a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's like Flickr. There was also um, when I was looking back at my blog, there's photo log. Did you ever have a photo log? I don't think I did. Yeah. That was like a thing at some point, which I think it was, I don't remember exactly, but maybe it was like, you upload, you could see like one photo at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also, it was, I think it was like Flickr where it's just like, you could see other people's photo logs, like, you know, all around the world. Okay. And, and then just kind of browse through them. It was like. It was like pre-Instagram. Got it. <laughs> you know? For some reason, that one doesn't ring a bell. Um, so many weird things back then, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's funny to look back and think of like the very early social media or sharing or commenty kind of you know yes. sites and pages. Um, and I feel like had Flickr existed in, you know, nowadays, it would have been the Instagram, you know? Yeah. Or I guess that's what Instagram based their whole concept off of. Yeah. You know, uh, but in a much more uh, efficient way. Yeah. Well, I think like language has become like less and less mm-hmm. <laughs> with like social media. Like mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you thought blogging was like some kind of, you know, shortened form of, you know, uh, you know, keeping a, a log of what was going on. Uh, now it's like it just gets shorter and shorter. <laughs> It's like yeah. Twitter and like Instagram. No, and nobody will read more than a, a few words pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like you can't. I mean, some people do write like kind of epic novels on Instagram. But like for the most part, it's usually a short caption or maybe not even a caption, just mm-hmm. tags of mm-hmm. like the people who are in it, you know. And um, so it's not really like it's not really for reading per se, but some people will still use it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it varies person to person. I just noticed I, I freelance still for a magazine. Once every two months, I write a quick column and I just review three albums. I mean, it doesn't take very long at all. But I recall that I used to write three, four, five hundred words per review. And the editor kept saying, 
you're writing too much and you barely can really delve into an album in 300 words. So now it's gotten to the point where I actually wrote one this weekend, a column, and um, each review is around 140, 150. So what are you even Jeez. talking about? <laughs> you know, it's really just like five or six sentences. Yeah, I mean, it's but not, that's it's like, how do you review It's not a, a real album. review. It's yeah. really fluffy and quick and, you know, highlights include track right. one, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And in a lot of, in, in this particular situation, I'm writing to an audience that maybe doesn't know the artist well. So the first sentence or two is like, a, you know, this British-based XYZ released ABC. By the way, you might know that song because Bruno Mars covered it or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So just a reference point. So anyway, all that to say that, uh, I don't know, the the, the art form of, of writing a review or, or recapping something is very different now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't sit down and read a lot of blogs anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm on Instagram. I think that's like what I'm on most of the time. For me, it's Twitter and Instagram is pretty much, those are the socials I use, but I use them for different purposes, really. Mm. For my Twitter feed is almost exclusively political and and news. And, and of course, like I follow some friends and interact, but uh, that's what I mostly use it for these days. Um, whereas back in the day, I used to rant about things. Um, and Instagram is, is probably for me the most personal one. That's If people want to know what my life is really like, then it's probably Instagram and not anything else. Um, so you went to New Colossus over the weekend? I did. Um, <laughs> which we hinted at uh, in the last episode, which is, it's kind of, sort of like the new CMJ, if you will. Um, yeah. It's like, and it's it's kind of this like uh, pre-South by New York stop for certain bands. Or yeah. it's become that. Yeah. And, you know, they said it in the Lower East Side, which is like, I guess they're trying to bring back a scene to the Lower East Side because it's kind of been lacking and mm-hmm. um, as Brooklyn uh, somehow gets less and less cool uh, they're trying to bring some some kind of cachet to the LES because um, there's a lot of venues that I hadn't been in in a while like pianos included yeah um, were you at Arlene's Grocery as well? I did go to oh Arlene's Grocery. Um, and I went to Coney Island Baby, which, okay. you know, before it was Coney Island Baby, it was Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Before it was Hi-Fi, it was Brownies. brownies yeah. So, you know, long history there. Um, and so it was kind of neat to kind of go around and try to see if, uh, you know, I think we maybe talked about... Um, you know, the whole act of, like, trying to go out and see, discover, like, new music mm-hmm. on accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to be out and see if, like, we can kind of recapture that feeling of discovering a new band or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, you know, uh, they had a bunch of panels um, during, I went, like, on the Thursday and they had a bunch of panels so I went and uh, I was trying to see Abby, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you people may know her from uh, Punk Photo Days mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when she was blogging and taking photographs. Um, she, she was a music photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she is artist manager at Bella Union. Mm-hmm. She also hosted Virgin Mobile Live for a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, after the punk photo days i think yes exactly um so now she's kind of more in the um 
the management side of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but she, I think she ran late and she missed her panel. Um, oh no! But I did run into you know when she finally got in. I I saw her. Um, we got. Well, that must have been nice. I haven't bit. seen her yeah. in years. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah. No. Uh, love her. Um, but yeah, the 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 panel that she was on was talking about. Um, Basically, I mean, the essential question, it was like, um, are indie labels still relevant? Mm -hmm, You know, like, mm -hmm. is there a reason to sign with an indie label? Mm -hmm. And yeah, most of the people on the panel were either working for indie labels or working with indie artists. So I think, you know, most of them agreed that, yes, they're still relevant. It just Mm -hmm. depends on like uh, finding the right label that works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and that you get, you know, the obvious things, you get, like, more attention yeah. uh, at an indie label. I think it's always tough, uh, you know, from my perspective, and I said on a previous episode that my day job is a music publicist. When I'm working with a musician that is self-releasing an album, I feel like it's always, that's an extra step of challenge, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, just because there's nothing to immediately cling to, mm. you know, uh, if, if it's an artist that people aren't familiar with in the first place. Right. You know? Like, there's still, like, any label still, like, I think it depends. Like, some of them still have, like, an identity, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, a sound that, mm-hmm. they, that people kind of identify with that label. And then others have gotten, mm, like, the, the identities become a little more blurry as, yeah. like, they branch out into other sounds and other type of artists. Um, I think people were, you know, so it, it helps when you can see a label and then instantly kind of know like what kind of sound the band might be. Exactly. So did you see anyone that you like love loved? Oh, in the, uh, in the show. So I went and saw, um, I started at, um, upstairs at pianos, uh, which was part of the canine records party that was going on there. And I saw, this band called Elevator with two L's. Okay, of course. <laughs> I believe they were from Canada. They were actually pretty good. Um, and um, female vocals, mm-hmm. um, you know, like bass, guitar, keys, drums, and like a really, um, the singer had a, a, a lot of magnetism to her. Like you couldn't stop watching her. Uh-huh. Um, and they were probably even though they were the first band I saw the night, it was like the only band that I really kind of clung, like new band that I saw that I kind of clung to. Okay. Um, so another band, uh, we kind of rushed from pianos to go to the, um, there was a whole Canadian mm-hmm. showcase going on at Coney Island Baby. And um, saw this band called Tally's. The singer had a really good voice. She, she it was a female vocalist, and um, she kind of sounded like uh, the singer from the Sundays. Oh, I like that. Yeah, but the band itself was like not that fun to watch. We stayed for like maybe a song or two, and then we <laughs> jetted off to um, to Arlene's to mm-hmm. catch a band, a local band that I know called Week Night. We're kind of like very like Joy Division yeah. influence. They've been around for a little bit, right? Yeah, they've yeah, been yeah, around I've seen for them. a little bit. And uh, so I wanted to go and like support them. Um, but the other two bands were from Canada, so I felt like 
it was it oh, was kind of funny odd. because like right like there was a moment where every cool band was from Canada. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, um, it was like that was happening again. Um, maybe because they're so close to us, a lot of the bands that were on here came from, uh, you know, our neighbors to the north. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> But, um, yeah, overall, like, uh, and then I tried to come back and catch The Natural, which... Uh, yeah, Kip from Pains, right? Kip from Pains, uh, being pure at heart. Um, but I think maybe I was, like, too... I came back too early or something, and they weren't on yet. And so I ended up going home. <laughs> <laughs> That's respectable. Yeah, so... But, you know, it was it was fun kind of going around, running into all these people um, that I hadn't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And and in that way, it did feel like a festival. It felt like, you know, industry folks were there, band folks were there. And uh, some old school bloggers, I ran into Brian Bruckman. <laughs> I just saw somewhere he... It was his birthday over the weekend or something? I think so, yeah. yeah. And, um... So that was cool. It was like, um, uh, it was good to see kind of a bunch of like the, uh, old bloggers Mm -hmm. in, you know, the crowd Mm -hmm. just to like, I don't know. It kind of gave me some flashbacks there. Right. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) That was what I was doing. What about you, Matt? What were you up to? Um, I had an exciting weekend. I I spent with uh, a little, well, pretty much most of the day on Friday with um, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's running for president in 2020, who I've loved forever. Um, Yeah, and I'll I'll be brief, but pretty much she had a kind of meet and greet, get together at this coffee shop in Harlem on Friday morning. And I got to meet her and talk with her a little bit, which was really exciting. And then later in the evening, there was a rally in Long Island City. Pretty much to kind of dance on the grave of Amazon and that whole <laughs> failed deal. Nice, um, nice. And I volunteered before that, and it felt good. Uh, I I did. I feel like I didn't maybe do enough the last um, election cycle, so it kind of felt good to start early, and particularly with someone that I'm passionate about. But what I wanted to mention as it relates to this podcast is. Uh, I thought she had the coolest um, like stage music uh, before she got on. It was pretty much like a, a one-two punch back and forth between all this classic Aretha and classic Dolly. And I was like, "This who doesn't love this, you know? And when she was about to hit, hit the stage, uh, 9 to 5 was playing. And I mean, <laughs> could you get more American and more classic and more like pumped? Totally. Um, so I thought that was a good pick. Uh and I know a lot goes into like picking the election song and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and it's a kind of interesting pick also because Dolly really stays out of politics. And I think that's one of the reasons why she's able to appeal to people of all different persuasions and ages and races and everything um, over the course of her career and remain so beloved because she never has spoken out ever about anything political. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how she reacts to the song being used. Yeah, you know? I wonder, like, do they run that kind of well, stuff by people first? I or? don't think they ever run it by. I always read something afterwards like uh, this artist doesn't want this song used. Like, for example, Got I remember it. ages ago, I think George W. Bush was using Tom Petty, Don't Back Down. He was like, no, we're not having this. <laughs> Tom Petty was like, no, no, no. No, no. <laughs> and then, of course, with the current resident of the White House, there were a lot of uh, acts that said, 
please don't use our music after it was used in the campaign rally. <laughs> I remember. So, I, like, Rihanna get, had some shade. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't get anyone to play like the inauguration. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. They did get, um, oh God, one of those atrocious bands from the late 90s. Oh my God. It was bad. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I feel like it was like. Was it Three Rock. Doors Down? Was I think it? it was Three Doors Down. Oh shit. Yeah, awful. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that's my kudos. Kudos to Elizabeth Warren for picking some Dolly because I dig that. Kudos. Yeah. Uh, so for repeat skip this cycle, uh, I was thinking maybe we could start with Moldy Peaches, who we touched upon the last episode when you were discussing a showcase you threw with all the members. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think you and I both have fond memories of this album. So uh, it's kind of a good one to hop into. Plus, I think... Time-wise, it was right around when blogging really kind of took off and, Absolutely. and um, the anti-folk scene in New York and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my introduction to Moldy Peaches was uh, I was going to school in the D.C. area and they opened for the Strokes on the Is This It tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a few weeks after 9-11, they came to the 930 Club and I really didn't know them much at all. Um, and Kimya came out dressed pretty much like, um, Alf (laughs) and, uh, and Adam Green was wearing some sort of like fringy seventies thing, of of course. course. (laughs) Um, and there's, in my view, I just thought that they were so strange, but something about it was so magical and stupid and genius. It was kind of everything at once. Um, and the songs were at both. Uh, they were ridiculous, but also certain songs were really, really touching. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I think that's the thing with them is that it was it was so all over the place that um, there was something to cling to and there was also something to hate at the same time. Yeah. I mean, they were so funny. Yeah, know? it was just it funny. Was interesting to hear like a quote unquote like indie rock or like, you know, like a folk kind of act, but they were so like rebellious in the ways of not taking themselves too seriously and kind of poking fun at things as well. But, you know, eventually uh, they even, you know, I think you mentioned that they were on the Juno soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so they actually enjoyed some success, even though they've been on hi- hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> since 2002. <Forever>. Yeah. <laughs> Or three or whatever. So, um, but good for them. I mean, they probably got some unexpected cash from that moment. Yeah, you know, finally some cash. Yeah, to people who actually deserve it. Yeah. So, like, what was like your track on there? Like your favorite? Um, I, I mean, this album to me, first of all, it's it sounds like it was recorded all in one take because yeah. at one point a phone is ringing in the. <laughs> it's so lo-fi. It's like beyond lo-fi. I love that about it. Yeah, though. it's so one take. The volume levels sometimes are all over the place. Um, it really seems. I mean, it's the epitome of like bedroom recording. Yes. Uh, no fancy, no fancy tech, nothing. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, I have, I have fond memories of this album um and the song i chose for repeat is greyhound bus which is actually the shortest track on the album and the reason i picked it in addition to it being super catchy is that when this album was out and i would come back and forth from dc to new york to for thanksgiving for the holidays for a a concert for the moldy peaches you know to see them um I would always take the Greyhound bus because it was so much cheaper than Amtrak to get from D.C. to New York. Oh, definitely. And 
I just remember that became sort of like my anthem in a weird way. Mm. So I don't necessarily think it's the the strongest track cohesively on the album, but I do think that I'm drawn to that track because it just I don't know. I like it symbolized something for me, you mm. know, literally very in a very literal sense. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I would go home to PA from New York all the time and take the great yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, totally get you on that. What was your like peak of that album? Um, I was like really emo, so I of course uh, picked "Nothing Came Out" and oh, um, that's such a sweet one. Yeah, and I, you know, like the lines of like um, probably holding hands with some that's pretty some skinny girl, girl who likes to talk about, about bands. bands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably said that about a bunch of boys <laughs> like, <laughs> that I had crushes on yeah. or something uh, back when I was single. So. Uh, or those were definitely feelings like I could even relate to from like, um, like if I was like remembering high school or something, you know, unrequited love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And doesn't, is that the song that ends, uh, where she says she's a Thundercats hoe? Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great track. And that's one of the ones on the album I feel that it kind of tears at your heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's like a surprising kind of vulnerability in mm-hmm. that song mm-hmm. after, you know, these burgers are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, or steak, and, steak for chicken. Steak for chicken. <laughs> you know? Some kind of more funny ones. Yeah. You know, and then you get nothing came out and it's just like, it's a nice, it's a nice track. Yeah. Uh, what was your skip? My skip was uh, uh, What Went Wrong, which is towards the beginning of the album. Um, it just, for me, it was kind of noisy and uh, mm-hmm. always one that I literally skipped back in the day. Um, it just felt kind of disjointed and crazy and random for me. Yeah. Um, that wasn't my favorite. And I, I dig some of the more random tracks on this release, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah. It was hard for me to pick a skip because I actually like, even though there's like a billion tracks on this album, <laughs> like, it was like, uh, it was hard to pick one because I liked most of them. So yeah, I ended up picking Little Bunny Foo Foo just mm. because like, you know, it's based on like a children's like lullaby or rhyme or something. Yeah. So um, even though I do love this track, I probably wouldn't listen to it like, right. you know, right. over and over again. But. Right. That's fair. So another um, blog entry that I wanted to highlight related to Moldy Peaches. Um, so this was in um, 2003, January 2003. Um, I had uh, I was working for this company where I had to write a bunch of quizzes all the time. So, <laughs> and I think Quizillo was like a thing. Oh back yeah, that then. was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like. Um, you know, where you could, you know, write your own quizzes and like send them out to people. Um, so I ended up writing a quiz, uh, Indie Rock Girlfriend, uh, which was a companion piece mm-hmm. to uh, Indie Rock Boyfriend. Um, but I ended up sending the Indie Rock Boyfriend uh, quiz to um, Kimya. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, perfect. And I asked her to take it. And uh-huh. uh, so this is my blog entry. And she okay. wrote me back. 
So Cameo's indie rock boyfriend is Adam Green. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. I love that she took my quiz after I posted it on the Moldy Peaches guest book. Here's her response. <laughs> I did that quiz hoping for, A, the gay pimp, but nope, Adam Green. He's my indie rock boyfriend, too. Funny thing was that it said, who makes... Who mistakes her steak for chicken? <laughs> you do. <laughs> that made me feel violated <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. So that was my little Kimia interaction back then. I actually have something funny um, ready to go here. It's an interview I did with Adam Green. Uh, this is He was already a couple albums into his solo career. And he was opening for Johnny Marr at Irving Plaza. Ooh. This is like 09, 08, 10, something like that. Um, I set up this interview with his people. And then I got to the venue early and was setting up the interview. And he wanted to do the interview, not backstage. It was on camera. Not backstage, not in the not in the performance area, not in the bar area, but in the bathroom. Wanted, <laughs> and not just in the bathroom. He wanted to like do it in the the stall like the handicap stall that had a little more room like the public bathroom or like the green the public bathroom, bathroom. <laughs> i mean the doors weren't open yet so gotcha, it was gotcha. just us okay and, but it made for a weird dynamic because you're literally talking to him over a toilet and but i feel like it's adam green so of course of course something random so good um oh i'm sorry i said johnny marr he was actually opening for the cribs he opened for johnny marr later on i feel uh, oh no you know what it was johnny marr was in the cribs at that point ah that's okay there see go. there's the connection. johnny marr and so many bands yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna play this interview it's only two minutes long it it was uh keep in mind that it was it's still on youtube actually if you google but uh it was around the album and you won't hear too much of the of the subject matter because that's kind of displayed on the screen. So I'll just let you know, he's talking about touring with the cribs, talking about his new album and then talking about pretty much all the crap people say about him. So you'll be able to pick it up. But uh, anyway, here's the interview from, from way back. that people just don't even know what, what's going on like and I think the things that are true are the things that people think are lies and the things that people think are lies are actually true 
I, I just think I'm going to just be one of these guys that's on tour all the time and making records, and it's been like this for 10 years, so it'll just continue to be like that, yeah. and people will just like um, know me as like the singing man that was there. Hi, this is Adam Green, and you're watching the Music Slut television <laughs> on the webcam. <laughs> he's such a character uh, I think my favorite part of that interview is where he's like I think my brother plays on a couple songs wouldn't you know <laughs> he's so goofy he's so I just goofy I love like uh, just his whole mannerism it's just like this detached goofiness <laughs> like, I remember when I saw him open up for like the Vaseline's like uh-huh. I think he had taken mushrooms and so he was like I think he was tripping the entire show and just like going nuts and you were just like what is up with this guy oh and then I knew like the guys who were in his band and like they were like oh yeah he, he like ate a bag of mushrooms <laughs> doesn't surprise me hilarious and we were gonna do My Bloody Valentine Loveless as I mean, well classic I feel like perhaps you and I feel the same way about this one in that it's such a it's such a one unit start to finish kind of album. Yes. It's not really a singles album. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was kind of hard. To yeah. Kind of pick. But, yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. I think it's definitely not like a singles kind of album, although I'm sure there were a couple tracks that everybody knows, mm-hmm. which are probably the ones we picked. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to admit, I was kind of basic with my pick for uh for the repeat which is only shallow the opening track i just feel like it really sets the tone and draws you in and so um, epic. it's yeah i saw them a few months ago at hammerstein ballroom i missed them when they did their first reunion uh, uh group of shows yeah and then i saw them uh you know recently and the crowd was terrible but that's another story uh but they when they when they started playing only shallow i was like oh <gasps> <laughs> Here was we it are. like how everyone says where it's like you're you know you get oh, nauseous it, and like, it was it's so, so loud lo- it w- and- I, I i kind of went into it thinking people are exaggerating about the the loudness of it all and and how intense it is but it really is that intense uh, i did have earplugs thankfully mm-hmm. um it it's to the point where your body is shaking and the floor seems like it's going to cave in. It was really, really a lot. So uh, I think like yeah. that's the one reason like I haven't gone to see them <laughs> or like rushed to buy tickets because I don't know. I just I don't want to feel like nause- nauseated at a show. It was it was it was really the loudest I've ever 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 in the thousands of shows I've seen. Pro- definitely the loudest. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because when you listen to the album, it's it just seems like a very fuzzy and warm mm-hmm. kind of album, mm-hmm. and not really like so intensely loud at at all. Yeah, I mean, I picked "When You Sleep," which is also a great track, yeah. which I feel like might have been a single back in the day. I think it what probably yeah. was a single. They were, they both were probably singles. Yeah. But, you know, I just like when I hear that song, I just like imagine like being in a car and like driving around and it's sunny and you're feeling happy and maybe you're stoned. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is a good stoner album, too. Total stoner album. And uh, 
you know, kind of like the epitome of like shoegaze. What pe- you know, when mm, you think of, of shoegaze bands, like you think of My Bloody Valentine, and you think of this album. This is like 101. This is the yes. album you listen to if you're researching shoegaze. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So what did what what did you pick as a skip? I pick uh, I pick Touched, which is towards the beginning of the album, and I it, it the track is only 40, 50 something seconds. Um, <laughs> yes. I feel like it was unnecessary uh and also i don't know it's it's if i'm revisiting this album it's not one that i would return to you know there would be no point to yeah i mean i also picked it Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't i don't even know if it was really like a song per Mm -hmm. se like um when when, uh, i was like re-listening to it um it almost felt like uh like an intro to the next track to hear knows when exactly um, yeah more than like a standalone mm-hmm. track but that's goes to the point of like this listening to this album as a whole it's more of like you know they are all in context to each other yeah and it's you know it's almost like one long track <laughs> yeah i kind of feel that way too um, uh, it, i mean it's such a great release so it, great yeah um so yeah i that's that's a strong album for me um, definitely one of my favorites from that time period. Mm-hmm. Well, that was episode three of Mixed Memories. memories. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yay! Bye. bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.